Hi, I'm Tyler Yules. Welcome to How the Grades Do It. Welcome back to another episode of How the Grades Do It. Super excited for our conversation today. We have Simon Chalebian. I said it right. Sir. Perfect, man. Well, Simon, we're we're excited to have you. Sales manager at Deal. Um, Simon, Simon, appreciate you jumping on with us. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're up to at Deal and, you know, somewhat of how you got there. Sure. Uh, I just moved over to Deal about months ago and I'm running new new team, new segment they created called the Scale Team. It's a branch of SMB, but essentially it's a subset between when someone graduates from SDR before jumping onto a full SMB sales team. This helps kind of get them familiar with the motion, learn the products, learn sales in general, so that when they do make that transition, they can hit the ground running. So it's been good so far. That that sounds like a fun role, and it sounds like you're you're probably constantly training and trying to make people the best they they can be, right? Because they've somewhat you know built I got think a really strong muscle in that SDR role, um, and doing the activities and that constant the constant effort, right? But then it's like, hey, let's put together the art and the skill together along with that hard work ethic you've just built and the muscle there. And hopefully that makes them to a really successful salesperson. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. I love working in this segment because SDRs, obviously if they got promoted up to sales. They're a hard worker. It's not easy yeah. to, uh, you know, be a top rep on the SDR side. And so if they're willing to put in the work, um, they're also not jaded yet. They want to learn anything I teach them. They implement right away. Um, so I really appreciate kind of working with these younger, not younger, but greener sales reps on the rise, you know, they, uh, yeah. they have that tenacity and, and work ethic and, you know, so far so good. Well, before we get into the details of, of how you're making these reps so good, um, and somewhat your training philosophy, like, I'd love to hear, like, how did you get into sales? Cause that's always a fun, a fun one for people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh, went to ASU for college, and I actually always knew I wanted to be in sales. So I was kind of going to school, trying to figure out how I could be the best salesman and get the best training to get out into the workforce. Yeah. So lucky for me, when I was wrapping up in the final few months of you know me finishing school, Yelp had just moved into town and created their new, uh, their brand new office in Scottsdale, Arizona, and they were hiring people out of college and. I was in a uh, internship program at the time, and my mentor kind of put it on my plate. Interviewed, uh, actually received the job the same day. So it was a good transition. I think that's the the definition of killed an interview. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I guess I guess it all it all did work out. I was a little nervous because you know, kind of first interview for an actual career. You know, I've had jobs throughout college, but I wouldn't call them career level. Sure. Then you go into it, you be yourself, you have fun with it, try to smile, you know, and hopefully it works out for the best. Yeah. What about like, were there any jobs um, along the way that really gave you the turning point or maybe there were some challenges that you faced that really shaped your approach to sales? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was that job with Yelp. I was there for five years. So I was fortunate that I have to start with such an amazing, you know, tech startup. In sure. College, so I got that experience that. Pre-IPO, post-IPO, but really, what dawned on me was a couple months in, like a lot of sales reps, me and my manager had a real tough conversation. I wasn't hitting, you know, my numbers. I was still learning. I was figuring out 
who to be on the phones and methods and you know it was all new to me and so that was against the wall after a tough conversation and we basically was like you know we have to turn this around in the next months or maybe sales isn't for you and it, you know my world was crumbling so that's what i wanted to do for you know years and years and so really just stepped up leaned into learning learning what the best people at the company were doing like I was giving 100%. I was probably really only giving 60%. Yeah. So when your back's against the wall, you really learn what 100% effort is and where it can take you. And turned it around and, you know, that led to nine performance-based promotions throughout my time at Yelp. And then a transition into leadership at my last company. So um, it really took somebody challenging me, and, you know, set, like really not threatening me, but putting it on out on the table like, if we can't figure this out in the next eight weeks or so, it's over. So, so you know, I kind of support performance incentive plans and tips here and there um, because it really brings up people. Yeah. Hey, I was just about to ask you, like, are you for that? Right. Are, are you, you know, you may have worked with a rep before in your career that maybe went through that same path. And did you kind of have that same um, conversation with them? And did it feel a little different on the other end of that conversation? It definitely does feel different on the other end, but I think those things are important. I don't want to work for a company where they don't put someone on a plan. They suddenly let them go based on performance. You know, it should sure. be something that we're expecting. I think a good manager is working closely with them and they're not surprised when that conversation comes with their director and you know, upper management. Um, I think we got to do everything we can to avoid that from happening in the first place. But sure. Sometimes it, it's what's needed to really see what a person's made of and help them kind of challenge themselves to raise their personal bar and find success. hundred percent. You know, it sounds like something clicked, like it was a mindset shift and was, was it necessarily the, the fear of losing the job that drove you to be better? And then obviously led, led to a bunch of emotions, or do you think right at that point you decided, Hey, I'm just going to be different. And that was like that, that mental shift. Like I would understand what happened there? Like, did you find a why in, in all that happening? I don't know. Yeah, I think a big part of it is a, a mind shift in my approach to dealing with clients. Um, mm. One thing I realized in that period was I wasn't being myself on these calls. I was being somebody somebody different. Showman Simon, like, all right, Mr. Business Owner, <laughs> let me show you this demo. Let me walk you through. And it's like, just be yourself. You know, I think I remember my yeah. telling me that, like, you're being somebody different likes you you're great on the team if you be that guy with these clients and they'll appreciate you for being real they'll connect with you build more trust and that went a really long way oh that that hit me in the feels i wish i would have learned that really really early on just to be you and you know like if ultimately i think if you are you and you fail in a type of job or a career in that sense like I think there's a place for everybody, to be honest with you. And, and it's really just finding that place that you're you're a good fit for. 100%, yeah. And I was kind of thinking about it with the approach of, all right, I'll be me, and I'm going to give this 100%. If it doesn't work out, then you're right. This wasn't for me. But I don't yeah. want to lose the job or be in a position to lose my job. I could have tried. I would look back and have it. So if you give it 100% effort and you are being yourself, I think, you know, it'll, it'll pan out how it should. And it worked out yeah. for me. You know, being yourself, I think, is is the key to to being a really good salesperson. Um, 
and then it's it, it, a better way to like build trust. And so like, I'd love to hear like how you're building trust or how you're even teaching your reps to now build trust um, in ways that you've learned kind of like through that process. Well, yeah, I, think, I think that's such a key element of being successful in sales is building trust, building rapport. And so there's a lot of different yeah. tactics that go into it. But I think something that goes a long way is they used to always say, always be closing ABC was sort of the traditional mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think over the past five, 10 years, it's really changed to ABH, always be helping. And so, you know, you never want these clients to think you're reaching out to them or following up or trying to get them to sign up because you want to get paid and you want commission. It's more right. that you're doing it for them. You know, we established the timeline. We're going to help you in XYZ regard by sticking with this timeline and getting this set up, it's going to help you save X, Y, Z amount of money or save time. It could be better spent towards other things. And so by putting your clients needs first and building that trust, helping them understand it's, you know, it's, you're doing it for them. You're not doing it for your paycheck. That's, that's when things change, you know? Um, And I think something you and I had initially been talking about was um, sort of a motto. I tell my reps all the time and that's, People don't necessarily buy your product, they buy your advice. And so Mm. in order for them to take your advice, they need to trust you, like you, and believe that you have their best interests in mind, or they're not going to properly partner with you and just see you as a sales rep and they'll have their wall up. Yeah, no, I mean, couldn't agree with you more there. You know, as you see these these reps move from this SDR type role to more of a closing role into the SMB or mid-market space, is... Are there are there certain commonalities that you find that each rep lacks that SDR if they wanted to then like help prepare themselves for the next level that they could go work on these certain skills? Yeah, I mean, I what hey just yesterday was building out what we're going to roll out as a uh, SDR accelerator program. So yeah, even so that they're they're at least halfway prepared when they do land on my team, and then we can you know we don't need as long of a ramp and we need less training in the in the get go. So I was just designing a 12 week uh, program for them. And a lot of it is around the product, you know, like they're just setting meetings when they're SDRs. They, they know like some high level talking points about what we do and the value, but really understanding yeah. the product you're selling inside and out is going to go a long way. Something they don't have exposure to until they graduate from SDR land is like pipeline management or at least sales pipeline management. Um, consultative selling, qualifying, you know, objection handling, all things that are brand new to them. They do some of these things, but in the SDR world, it's completely different. It's all based around selling them on taking a meeting, not selling them on writing a check and actually investing company funds. So it's, it's you know, far different. Yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. Um, what, what, what would you be like some of the advice that you would give like a, a, an SDR first coming in of like, hey, these are some of the don'ts of sales mm. are common misconceptions common misconceptions about sales i think well like i ran into early on in my career i think a lot of people feel like they need to put out a show you know and they like if they if they say the best thing and they present well and look look really buttoned up like you know it's, it's showbiz baby and you know they'll, they'll want to <laughs> sign up not the case, you know, you want to go almost yeah. the opposite direction and help them realize like, I'm a real person. I'm humble. I'm here to help you. I love my job. You know, I'm in a great position and everyone's buying from me because this is an amazing product. Help me help you, you know, and 
I think yeah. going into a mindset, like going into your meetings with the mindset, of you don't necessarily know if your product or service is a fit. That's why you're meeting today. Together, you'll figure that out. I think right. a lot of it when doing telling them what they need and saying, you need to do X, Y, Z, or these are the consequences. When really, if you take the approach of, appreciate you chatting with me today, I'm not sure if what I offer is going to be a match. It does work for a ton of other clients in the industry who I work closely with. So I'd love to discuss your situation and together we'll figure out if it makes sense to continue evaluating and have another meeting here. So kind of, um, it's all about listening and asking the right questions as opposed to telling them what you think they need. People don't like that. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more there, right? Like, oh, so often, uh, we as sales reps want to take our prospect through our discovery, but reality is right. We need to follow our customer's journey and say, okay, like, how do you want to buy? And better understanding that process allows the customer to like, hey, we felt like they were heard, they were understood, um, and it only puts you in a better position at that point to be that trusted advisor and for them to buy advice, right? Exactly. Nobody wants to be sold, you know, and anytime, this isn't the first time they're meeting with someone trying to sell them software. So they come in with their guard up, you know, and they immediately sure. turn into this, all right, take the meeting, don't get sold up. And so by, you got to break that wall down with them by building trust and helping them understand you're on their side and their best interests are your best interests and you're just there to help. And you don't even know if your solution is going to be the solution they need, but let's talk through it and figure it out together. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that and love that. What about, I would think that one of the big things that, that the SDRs are missing as they try to transition is um, maybe a little bit more of discovery skills. And so like, as you think about discovery, are there certain things that you're hitting on? Because the SDR is right. The way that I think about it is like peeling, peeling an orange, right? Is You don't want to get into any of the meat of it, but we want to see if there's a deal here. We want to see if there's an opportunity for us to sell something. And so they shouldn't be getting into huge discovery, but as a sales rep, discovery is either where the sale is made or isn't. And so. 100%. Yeah. I can agree more. I mean, I think for the first two to three months, uh, my team's formation, we, we focused entirely on the discovery. I think there deals are won or lost in the discovery. And so after a meeting with a client, it's their first meeting, I should be able to meet with one of my reps and know if they're signing up or not, when they're signing up, what their pain is, the cost of not finding a better solution or moving to a better solution. Yeah. Who else is involved in the decision? What's their budget? So there's a lot of, depending on the environment you work in, there's different you know, tactics here, you can use medic, you can use Bant, you can just use your own custom kind of qualification form. But I think he is not syncing up with them and saying, great, hey, Tyler, I have 20 questions I want to ask you. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah, exactly. So the art there, I mean, selling sales is an art and a science. And I think the art there is keeping it conversational and sort of weaving it into a back and forth conversation. They're going to have a lot of questions that they have as well. So it's important sure. to set a good agenda in the beginning, get their buy into the, the agenda, see if there's anything they want to add to that. And then, you know, start your process of asking a few questions. I'll ask questions too. Every time you answer one, ask another question. So that way it's a back and forth and it's not just you checking the boxes because they'll get bored with that real quick. Oh, for sure. So you're, you're saying turn it into a conversation. Yeah, so like instead of saying, what is your budget? Yeah. You know, do you have the authority <laughs> to sign up today? Uh, what's the need? You know, if you're going through bands, 
more yeah. like someone mentions, yeah, and so, uh, you know, we were thinking about having this project wrapped up before our CEO goes on vacation. I said, oh, amazing. All right, that makes sense. So ideally, you know, we have this in place and up and running by what date do they leave? Okay, you know, the last day of October. Perfect. Working backwards from there, we should meet here, we should meet there, and we should ideally have a decision on this date. Does that make sense to you in order to stick to your timeline? Yeah. They buy in and agree to it, and immediately you have a mutual action plan set up for how to close this deal and when and what steps need to happen ahead of time. But what's the important part is having the client dictate when that setup date is. So sure. be saying, it'd be awesome, Tyler, if we had this done by next Friday. Can we talk Wednesday? Mm -hmm. Or like, when do you want this up and running? They say a date, and then you construct a timeline working backwards from there and get their buy-in. And you know, together, you've just established the timeline. So you can check that off band. But you didn't sure. say what's your timeline, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Don't um don't assume, right? Like always ask. And I think that yep, exactly. if you if you go with that model of, hey, I'm gonna always seek to understand, right? You're always gonna at least get the right answer. Hundred percent, yeah. And um I think when you have these mutual action plans in place, you know when you know when every event is gonna happen, your client is on board, you manager when they're asking timelines and forecasting, you have everything I think that's a valuable skill to, to dial in very early in your sales group. So to move marketing and forecasting is that much more important. You know, you don't, it's not a new method for you. You've been doing that for a long. Yeah, no, I love that. You know, you've sold across different industries, right? Like, does the approach ever change? It does. It definitely does. It kind of depends. The big thing is, are you saving them money? Or are you saving them time? It's sort of what I realized. And I've worked, yeah, for six or seven different tech startups and software and online advertising and different industries. And there's different approaches where, like, I click up my last company. It's mostly sure. with saving them up time, switching to a management software like what we offered. Instead of doing everything manually and going in different apps and databases and spreadsheets, you do it all in one platform, one screen. Click out the project management tool, saves yeah. clients hours of time across their entire workforce. It's you can actually calculate how much are you paying that person yearly. And so one hour of their time is worth this amount. We're saving right. each of them four hours a week across, you know, X amount of people, that's a hundred thousand dollars. So it's not a lot of other sales are much money can much more money can we be making working in this in this type of platform uh, with this type of software. So are you selling the dream like get this set up and think about what could be possible you know positive that will happen but it right selling the dream or are you sort of selling solution to their fear like all right you in your current solution you're seeing xyz problems it's you know wasting this amount of money and this amount of time like this could get even worse let's get a better option in place so that you know you can avoid the fear that you have of this going you know you missing your deadlines and losing clients and blah 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 yeah. So it's a lot of the same. Is it time? Is it money? Are you scaring them or are you selling the dream to them? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, man, I'd love to hear about a time that you maybe hit with a, a little bit of a setback and then if you were able to turn it into a learning about, like a, a learning experience for you. Totally. Um, and I mean, it's sales. So setbacks happen all the time. There's a saying I have to, it's tough, you know, when, especially when you're a new sales rep, 
you want every opportunity, every client to close. And I, I notice my reps not wanting to let go of them sometime when it's <laughs> clear now that they're not going forward. With yeah. Them. It reminds me of this thing I tell them all the time. I think it's SW, SW, SW. And it's like, some will, some won't, so what? Someone's waiting. So you got to know. Oh, I like that. Be, yeah. You know, like, and so it's okay to get a know. What we don't like are maybes. Like, you know, the whole pipeline management, you're moving things through the pipe. At some point, you want to get a yes or a no. Those ones that are stuck in there as maybe stage going months and months and getting stale, that's the worst outcome. So I yeah. try and help my reps understand, like, a no is the second best answer in sales. Yes is ideal, but if you're yeah. not getting a yes, get a no so you can move on from them, not waste any more time and replace them with somebody else. Um, yeah, and then the other thing is, you know, with objection handling, I for years used to battle objections. It was all like, how are you going to battle that objection? We got to push back. We got to convince them otherwise. <laughs> what I've learned, you know, maybe five years is I think the best thing to do, you hear an objection, you think you were going to get a yes. They say, hey, I can't do it because of financial reasons. We just lost some funding. We got to wait. Instead of saying, well, you had said that we were going to do this. Remember when it's so awesome? Like you could make more money. I think the best approach is you accept their Objection and say that totally makes sense. Like, if, you, if you lost your funding, wouldn't you know this is dropping on the priority list, correct? And they, you know, thrown off a little bit because sure. like, well, the sales guy said, I thought he was going to fight me on it. You don't fight him on it. You accept it, and then you just ask a couple questions. Do you mind if I ask, you know, timeline for getting the funding, or do you mind if I ask if you never get new funding, you know, is your company going under or would this still be a viable solution for you? Because it's still going to save you money and blah, blah, blah. So accepting right. their action and then just ask, asking open-ended questions sort of to open them up to a new timeline for moving forward, maybe still doing it, even though they lost funding. You know, yeah. there's ways to battle them, which aren't actually battling. It's just... uh getting on the same page, you know, and appreciating that they can't do it now, but asking questions to open their mind up about when and how can we still move forward? Yeah. You, you keep circling around this idea of um, asking really good questions. Right. And, and so I think that really sets the part the, uh, like an average salesperson against a really good one. And so like, how do you train a salesperson to ask really, really good questions? <laughs> yeah. The key to selling is not, it's, it's not talking the talk or being a showman or anything like that. It's who's the best listener and who yeah. has the right questions that open up these prospects' minds, give you the ammo you need to control the deal, move it quickly, you know, get a timeline in place. But, you know, it's more about um, active listening and getting them to think about things in a new way. You know, a lot of times business owners are very closed off. They're proud of what they've already accomplished. They don't want to change things. You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And they may not view it as broken, but there are better solutions out there. You know, embrace change and innovation and technology. And sometimes they, they're resistant to that. And so, yeah, I think uh, what you were getting at is listening is the key to sales, not talking. Yeah. And well, it, and it's, in, it's an interesting thing, right? Because obviously, who are they going to get the information from if we're not talking the whole time and, and tell them how to do that? But on the flip side of that, I don't think we're ever going to ask the right questions if we're not listening to what the customer is saying. Is to like, hey, you know, what's your biggest struggle right now? And it, they may give you something surface level, but I bet you there's another question in there, what the what they're what they're actually trying to solve for, or they're actually struggling with, and it's not the first answer they gave you. 
right? But you wouldn't be able to get that unless you asked a little bit deeper of a discovery question around that pain and that understanding. Um, and so I love, I loved when you said that. So I needed to make sure you brought it up again. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, that actually reminds me of something I read recently uh, in a book called Gap Selling by Keenan. He's a, yeah. he's a sales guru out there, just launched this book a year or two ago. And a lot of people are calling it the new challenger sale. Challenger sale, still a great book, but a little outdated at this point. I think it was written in like the 80s or the early 90s. Right. So we've come a long way. And so gap selling, um, one thing he brings up in one of the videos I was watching from him is if you go up to someone and you ask them, hey, uh, Tyler, how's your marriage? People are automatically going to say, oh, it's good, man. Yeah, yeah great, great. Know. Yeah, sure. Great. Okay, yeah, it's good, yeah. <laughs> you know, or it's kind of the same if I say, is your job or is your company doing? People naturally, oh, it's good. They don't give you much. But instead of asking, how's your marriage, if I ask more, you know, hey, Tyler, with your current relationship with your wife, you know, how often are you going on date nights? How, how close do you feel with your wife? Um, you know, do you go on vacations together often? Does she seem happy? Uh, do you guys buy each other things? Do you compliment each other? Do you respect each other? You can ask a lot of different questions. And based on your answers to those questions, I'm going to know if you're in a good marriage or not. Even sure. if initially you're going to say, yeah, it's awesome. So a lot of times, even with these business owners, you don't want to just say, how's your role? How's business going? They're just going to say yes. You have to ask those more specific pointed questions really understand a 360 view of what's going on in their company and if you can help them absolutely i i love that analogy i've got a different one and i'll save it for another time but that's a good one uh we appreciate you sharing that what what, what advice would you give somebody um you know that's having great discovery but you know like they may be not like building the urgency and so the customer is always like hey we're just going to push this the next quarter or hey follow follow me in a month like hey this is something that i that i enjoy but um, or that's going to totally make an impact on my business, but I just don't think right now is the right time. Heard that so many times. That's, uh, <laughs> very, very. Things are going well. You're forecasting the deal, and suddenly, need more time. and then you get into chasing. Yeah. You want to like? I mean, that's why you do those mutual action plans in the beginning to ideally get them to stick to the timeline you created and the launch date that they had selected. But, half the time or more, you know, that may not happen. And it's really tough. It has to be done upfront. That's why the discovery, as we talked about, is so important. Like you yeah. get to the end and suddenly they need to wait a month or two. It's really tough to build urgency at that point. What you need to do is early on understand what the client actually cares about and what impacts them. Because we may have urgency. We have a quota to hit quarterly or monthly. And so, oh, I need this deal to happen by the end of the month or, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss. They don't feel any of that. They're just like, this would be nice. It's not a, you know, our business is still running properly without it. So it's like a nice to have, not a, like, I need it, uh, no matter what kind of solution typically. And so it's almost impossible to build urgency with a client unless early on you learned what they care about. And so what I mean is, you know, you get the client in the discovery call to say, yeah, if we don't solve this, you know, my job could be on the line or... If we don't get a better solution to our payroll problem, we're going to lose $50,000 a month uh, and continue, you know, for the next year. Or, you know, uh, we won't be able to hire our next group of 20 if we're not able to get a better HRAS and onboarding solution in place. If you have that ammo, then when they say they need to wait, you accept the objection like normal. 
totally yeah. get it if you need to wait. I, no problem. We'll go at your pace. I guess let me ask you this, though. In our first call, you had mentioned that if we didn't get this new solution in place, you wouldn't be able to hire that new group of 20 AEs and you'd be hemorrhaging $50,000 a month. Is that still the case? And suddenly the client's like, I did say that. I did tell him that. Why are we waiting two months? That's going to be $100,000 and we missed the onboarding. You're right. Yep. Okay, let's do it this Friday, not wait two months. You know, But you have to know what they care about and put value on or there's no way to build urgency at all. No, I love that. That is, I think, spot on there. <clears throat> um, I got two I more questions. Other, Go ahead. One last. The one yeah. thing you can do to build urgency last one is discount. Obviously, we don't necessarily want to fall yeah. to discount. But that's the only thing is, well, you might, you know, you can only offer the discount until the end of this month. We got end of month pricing and a quarter pricing. We got, we got, we got October the 10th pricing. You got to sign today. What is it? Canadian Thanksgiving pricing. We'll do it right now. <laughs> I love that. Man, um, what advice would you give uh, people that are trying to transition? Like SDRs that are, are thinking about wanting to move into a higher level role. Like what, what advice would you give them? And um, what resources maybe would you point them towards? I think first and foremost, I would say master the role you're in before you know, asking for promotion because I see that quite a lot. I get a lot of different SCRs at all the companies I've worked at reach out to, yeah. hey, I want to be on your team. I want to move up. What do I have to do? And then, you know, come to find out they're very mediocre at what they currently do. So if you want to move up, you know, you have to be a 10 out of 10. You've mastered your role and you're ready for more responsibility first. Yeah. I think next would be like building a network, making sure your manager is supporting you their manager, you know, maybe other leaders across the floor could vouch for you. Having a good, building your brand is critical within any company, especially in like yeah. the remote world now. So having good connections on your team, but also cross-functionally in other departments and other teams, reaching out to the hiring manager once you have mastered your role and can talk about how you did that and how the skills and the process you took to master your role could apply to the next level. Um, and then another thing that I think is, crucial that I don't see almost any SDRs do before I coach them on it is there's a lot of resources outside of what your company offers that can help you prepare to be an expert salesperson very quickly. A lot of times we lean heavily on our internal sales training or, you know, the uh, documents that we have available to different teams or our processes that are laid out internally, but you could learn probably even far more by turning to podcasts and YouTube and reading sales books and finding mentors who are sales leaders and things like that. Um, I think all of that stuff goes a really long way. And a lot of times it's, it's not something that sales reps think to, to look to. Yeah. Um, but I think that'll help ramp you up and get you prepared. Finally, you know, if you're like, if you're a lawyer or a doctor or an athlete, like you're always training, like there's always new procedures, the law is changing, you're always studying up on like the modern tactics and the modern ways of handling court cases or medical procedures yeah. or whatever. And I feel like sales should be no different. If you want to be in sales for, for life, and you're never done learning and training, and there's constantly new tips and tricks and tactics rolling out across the internet that you have access to for free, you just got to be actually interested in tapping into that and learning. I love that. I think that was a plug for um, how the grades do it. Y'all can make sure we you give us a follow on Instagram, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, 
Um, exactly. I'm, um, I'm forced to, uh, to push this rhetoric down your throat until you guys follow. And at that point, you know, you're, you're stuck in the, in the matrix then. Exactly. It'll only help. Anything that Tyler's putting out there, I would be uh, subscribed to watching all of it. We, we love that and appreciate that. Last question for you, Simon, how do you want to be remembered when you leave this life? Hmm. I think I want to be remembered for the impact and influence I made on different people's lives. I think, you know, you can say one thing on your tombstone, but I think the way you made people feel is how they'll remember you. Yeah. I love that. Short and sweet and super to the point. Um, Man, this has been great. And I think a lot of people are going to get a ton out of this, Simon. So I appreciate you taking time with us. Um, if people want to follow up with you after this, how, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Shoot me a message on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there. So I'll check it. Love it. So feel free to reach out there for anything. Perfect. If you're looking to get into an SDR role or maybe an AD role, feel free to inquire. You heard the plug here. If you're listening to this and you're looking for a job, I'd reach out to Simon. Simon, we appreciate you. And uh, this is just another episode of How the Greats Do It.